Hi, this is Ken Blanchard. Welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast, where my friend and colleague, Chad Gordon, interviews experts helping support our vision of leaders powered for good. If that's your mission too, I know you'll be inspired by what you hear. I'll be back at the end to share what I've learned. Enjoy this episode of the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Nate Regeer, welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm fantastic, Chad. Thanks so much for having me. Really happy and excited to have you here. We're talking about your latest book, Compassionate Accountability, How Leaders Build Connections and Get Results. What led you to put all this research and time and effort into this topic? Oh, man. Um, it's a long story, but it probably started when I started, when I became a recovering psychologist. And uh, I am in recovery. I should just let you know, I, I, I am a previously practicing psychologist, but when I left that company or when I left that job to start this company and started working with leaders, I just kept seeing this. We just kept seeing this dilemma between, you know, the, the affiliative nature of human beings. We want to be in relationships. We care about relationships. We, we want to have those those friends. And then at the same time, we are also achievement creatures. We need to get things done. And we work for organizations that actually have goals and deliverables and financials to meet. So this just tug between, do I focus on the relationship or do I focus on the results? And when the two seemed to contradict each other or come into tension, or when the chips were down, it seemed that people would run for one or run for the other. And there was always predictable negative results and people just didn't know how to be in that tension. Do you talk about, this is a big idea. You, you touched on it there a little bit about compassionate accountability. That's the big idea. And you talk about how they're complementary. but I think a lot of people, as you just alluded to kind of say, you have to be one or the other. What did you find? How can they work together? They can work together when we it, it's it's kind of a three-step process. First, we, we need to dig into what compassion really means. And there's a lot of popular definitions out there, a lot of research. But when you go back to the original root of the word compassion, it comes from the Latin meaning to suffer with, with suffer. It's a process of struggling with other people. Then we need to step back and take a look at, well, what does that mean? What does it look like when you struggle with people, particularly in a work setting? And the more we looked at leaders struggling with this, the more we worked with people trying to get the hard work done, the more we realized that accountability and compassion are not actually separate. Compassion can't exist without it. And in fact, accountability is a part of compassion. It's a necessary, critical part if we're going to do compassion and truly struggle with people. So much of what we do here at Blanchard is really based around the, the you know, creating and building on the skill sets and then enhancing and, and mining out the mindsets. You put a lot of effort into the compassion mindset. How would you define that? How do you nurture that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, mindset's big. We know that mindset matters. We know that mindset is a choice on how we see ourselves and other people. And that choice can fundamentally impact our behaviors, our thoughts, our feelings. 
Um, you know, I'm curious, Chad, have you ever maybe been in, in, in the presence of, of a wise person or, or at a keynote presentation or read a book and you saw something or heard something and you were never the same, like you can't unsee it or unhear it. Yeah. Yeah. Those moments, those, those nuggets of wisdom that, that people share, it just seems like it was, you know, as, as Ken says, sometimes the simple truths when they're, they're uncovered to you, it's hard to go back. Yes. Yes. And it's, it's, um, it's one of those things that once you see it differently, it changes you. And once we defined compassion in its fullest, it, it changed us. We defined compassion as the practice of demonstrating that people are valuable, capable, and responsible in every interaction. Think about that. Human beings are valuable, but they're also capable and they're also responsible. And compassion means we have to embrace all three. So we got to thinking about, well, what's an what's a easy way to think about this? And that's where we came up with the notion of switches, that you have to turn on each of these three switches to get your attitude and your mindset right before you can start implementing the thoughts, feelings, and behaviors that are going to live that out. So we, we created this three switches thing kind of, you know, to show how energy flows and how we can turn them on. And it really has been sticky and people are really finding it an easy way um, to get themselves right. So when you talk about the switches, is it just that easy of, of, of on and off? How do you prime yourself so you know when to be ready for which switch? Yeah, great. Well, they all have to be on, but they do come in order. Each switch comes with a fundamental belief. An example, the, the value switch comes with a fundamental belief that human beings are unconditionally worthwhile, no conditions, no strings attached. And then we talk about, well, if you believe that, then what does it look like to act it out? What does it look like to behave that way? And that's where we identify specific behavioral strategies. And then the same is true with the capability switch and the um, responsibility switch it starts with accepting a truth about humanity and then embracing that truth through our behaviors. So we've kind of walked through the mindset. Um, how do you hold yourself accountable to this? How do you build these skills, you know, almost like muscle memory so that you can showcase this every single day and how you lead, how you are, how do you present yourself to the world? Yeah. Yeah. I'll go straight to the end. And at the end of the implementation section, I identify three questions that you should include in every single survey you ever do again. And not just surveys, but when you, when you talk to your employees, when you talk to your, if you're a coach and you talk to your players, this is the kind of feedback we need to be getting. And it's the fundamental three questions, which is after an interaction with me, do you feel more or less valuable as a human being than you did before? If so, how, what did I do as after interactions with me? Do you feel more or less capable and competent than you did before? Why, mm -hmm. what can I do to improve that? And then the third question is after an interaction with me, do you feel more empowered and ownership, more ownership and empowerment than you did before? Why? And what can I do to improve that? I ask myself those questions every day before every interaction is, do I see myself and other people as valuable, capable, and responsible? And what am I going to do to manifest that? One of the exercises that we like to do here at Blanchard is, uh, as we kind of prime the pump to, to learning is, is having people in their kind of their pre-learning, their launch assignments is talk about, like, think about, think about your best boss and think about your worst boss. Give our listeners some examples of what a best boss or worst boss, how they would look with compassionate accountability and without. 
I'll give you an example of a boss with all switches on and I come into them with something I'm really struggling with. I'm a new leader. I'm just learning the ropes. I'm, I'm really, I'm up against some limits that I don't know what to do about, but I'm worried about appearing competent. And I come in and I, and I just, and I can, and my boss can tell, and they're like, Hey, you know, what's going on? Hi, how are you doing? And I can tell by their tone that they don't want to know what I'm doing. They want to know how I'm doing. And I take the risk to get vulnerable and share with them what that is, not knowing how they'll judge me. And, and my boss says, thank you so much for sharing. I'm so glad you brought that to me. I care about how you're doing. And then they, then I can tell they have their capability switch on because they say, what have you tried? What's going on? What kind of help do you need? Um, where are you confident? And they start getting super curious about who, you know, what I bring to the table and what I need. And they avail themselves as a resource, but they do not try to fix it. And then they go to the responsible part and they switch on and they say, let's clarify the non-negotiables. Let's clarify your deliverables. What are the boundaries and standards that are at play here that we are here to uphold um, at the end of the day? And when they do those three things, what I realize is, wow, they care about me as a human being. They are going to be a resource, but they're not going to fix it for me because I get to learn and grow. And they're going to never forget what the most important thing is in this relationship. But if that same boss has their switches off, I come in and they jump straight to talking to me about what's going on or what's wrong. Uh -huh. They don't sense my angst. They don't ask me any questions about how I'm doing. And even if I do maybe disclose it, they might say something very dismissive like, well, you know, everybody freaks out on their first year or, you know, you think that was bad. Let me tell you about what it was like when I got thrown into the deep end. So <laughs> they, they, they do these things that really are dismissive of my experience yeah. as a human. When I, when I share a struggle, instead of trying to build my capability, they say, well, here's what you need to do, or here, let me show you what I did. And they come in as a rescuer, swooping in with unsolicited advice that undermines my capability and my dignity. Um, and then they, they use ultimatums and threats to talk about boundaries. Like, well, look, I don't know how, how long, how much longer I can keep covering for you. This is your sixth month on the job or, you know, Hey, when push comes to shove, it's a doggy dog world out there. You know, you got to step up or, you know, other people figured it out. So should you. And so they kind of just leave me hanging like, well, here's what you got to do and figure it out. Um, and so those are just some examples of when the switches are off. They tend to undermine value, undermine capability and misappropriate responsibility in, in unhealthy ways. Yeah, I actually had a leader that uh, that actually liked to say suck it up buttercup with like just no sense of like humor or anything just like there was almost there was a pride i know in, in being tough and like well just just get 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 over it and get on with it move on and and uh, that can work for a while but after a while i think the 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 thousand paper cuts they uh they add up don't they i, I think they do and i used to work with victims of domestic violence when i was a psychologist and I saw the cycle of violence and how hurt people hurt people and how hurting people hurt people. And I think we may see leaders make these smug comments like suck it up buttercup, but I don't think they would ever want to relive the experiences that taught them that. And so why are we repeating it on the leaders that are in front of us today? So one of the along the lines of what I just shared about you know, how people have almost like a badge of honor um, like to show that they're tough. 
Mm-hmm. Where do you think that came from? I mean, is that a holdover from the command and control? Is that just somebody that they were taught to don't show your feelings, don't let people know what you think? I mean, you've, you've see, you see that advice even now, you know, don't give enough of, yeah. know, don't, don't give it all away. Where, where do you think that that comes from and why is it reinforced so? Boy, there's a lot that goes into that. It's a big question, maybe for a whole nother conversation, yeah. but I think it's a combination of things. The industrial revolution really mechanized work and it, it also, this starts even further back with the, with when we went from barter to using money as a symbol of value. And then all of a sudden time and effort got equated with value. Uh, any of the listeners here that was at ATD and, and have heard Adam Grant talk, he talks about, we need to stop putting so much value on how hard we work and stop moralizing effort and start actually looking at results and relationships and, and what we're accomplishing in the world. So all these things have conspired, I think, to make it like hard work and effort and getting stuff done is the badge of honor. And then mix that with a more male-dominated leadership workforce, traditionally, that tends to be more achievement-oriented and um, go-getter and less relationship-oriented. And it's a perfect storm where we have customs, cultures, systems, and processes that would, that would prioritize accountability over compassion. You, you share, I think these are some wonderful, um, I'll use our terminology, kind of assume constraints, uh, compassion's just for bleeding hearts. Compassion creates, yeah. compassion is soft, it's selfless, it can't be learned. Which one of those are, do any of those really rise to the top when it comes to like, these are the ones that you're having the hardest time beating your your fist against the table to say, no, that isn't correct. This is actually completely wrong. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And um, it's probably the one about compassion is soft and that that leaders who have been maybe more of a con- command and control traditional style, they're seeing the writing on the wall. They're realizing that you can't keep good people. You can't build good teams unless you figure this out. But they're like, ah, but if I show a soft side, they're going to all take advantage of me and they're going to think I'm weak. And so that chapter really has a lot of good research, but also reassurances and encouragements for people to say, wait, compassion is actually really hard and it takes a lot of courage. And so you're not going to be weak when you do this, but also it's not going to make you weak. It's going to make you a lot stronger as a leader. Um, I, the, the one about selfless servant leadership, I, I mentioned Blanchard in there and it's so great. You know, I've talked to Ken about this and it's so great to talk to folks like him and say, wait, 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 selfless servant leadership is not about putting yourself last. And he's like, yeah, I got a, I got a, a, a leadership wisdom for that, a simple truth of leadership. So um, yeah, these are great conversations. What did, uh, since you brought uh, your conversation <laughs> up with Ken, Ken up, I'd love for you to kind of share that experience and what are some of the insights you've, you've learned from him? Well, I don't know the number of the simple truth, but um, it is that humility is not about thinking of yourself, of thinking less of yourself. It's about thinking of yourself less. And that really, when we unpack that together, he really talked about how we we have to have the confidence to be humble. We have to know we're worthwhile. We have to have our switches on to be humble and serve other people. But it doesn't mean serving at the expense of our own wellness because we have to show up with energy. We have to show up with enthusiasm. We have to show up capable of loving and caring for other people every day. And you can't do that if you let your tank run dry. If someone can raise their hand after hearing this podcast, obviously you want them to go out and and grab your book. But if they raise their hand and say, I am so guilty of this, I know I want to lead better, I want to be better, I want to um, show up in a different way, 
What's what's what what's the one of the first steps somebody has to if they if they have the awareness that it's yeah. a problem? What is one I'm of the gonna, first places you you send them? I'm going to give you the two simplest, but but most most com no not not simple. It's it's elegant, but it is so hard. But the most powerful two things you can do as a leader: get vulnerable and start talking about how you're really doing with people. And unlink it from your value as a human being. Your experience matters. When you're struggling and suffering and you're anxious, it's okay to talk about it. Get vulnerable. Nobody's going to think you're less than because of that. And second of all, ask for help. Maybe it's not physical help. Maybe it's emotional help. Like, hey, has anybody else out there ever felt like this? Because I'm feeling really alone right now. Or, hey, would somebody be willing to just let me vent for a few minutes? So, Get vulnerable, ask for help. Those are the two most powerful things and the hardest things for leaders to do. But I guarantee it will start that process of change. Nate, what is the one thing as, as, as we start to wrap up our conversation, what's the one thing that you want our listeners to take away from our conversation today? Oh, um, uh, here's the one thing. Coming out of COVID, where we are right now in our world and with, with our businesses, we have never needed compassion account and accountability in equal measure more. Leaders no longer get to choose between the two. They were able to get by with it before, but no longer can we choose. So it's time to step up our game and realize that we can have both and practice both uh, in order to build the best companies and the best teams. The book is called Compassionate Accountability, How Leaders Build Connection and Get Results. Nate, if people wanted to dig a little bit more into you and, and the things you're doing, where would you send them? We try to make it simple. CompassionateAccountabilityBook.com. Anything you could need is right there. Nate Regeer, thank you so much for spending some time with us on the Leader Chat today. We really appreciate your time. It's my pleasure, Chad. And thank you for joining us for today's podcast. If you enjoyed the interview, go ahead and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and please share it with your friends. The best way you can help us grow is feedback. So write a review if you haven't already. This podcast is brought to you by Blanchard, the heart of human achievement. Visit Blanchard.com for additional resources to help you and your organization succeed. Now it's my pleasure to turn today's podcast over to Ken Blanchard for his final thoughts. Thanks, Chad, for interviewing Nate. He and I are raving fans of each other. We think a lot alike. We think effective leadership is all about getting great results, but also producing great relationships. And that's what his book is all about, Compassionate Accountability. Compassion is all about your people. Accountability is all about results. Listen to his subtitle again, How Leaders Build Connections and Get Results, so it's relationships and results. They go together. And I think it's just amazing that he has put this all together in one spot. So read his book. Listen to this podcast. What he's going to do is show you why compassion is important and how it goes together with accountability. You first got to treat people as if they're valuable. That's an important part of compassion. Then treat people as if they're capable. Then treat people as if they're responsible. That will show people that you care about them. And when you care about people, you're going to get great results and great relationships. What a great one-two punch. So Nate and I agree that they got to go together. 
And the driving force for us is humility. It's a wonderful trait for being a leader because you are willing to get vulnerable, and that's not bad, as Nate says. And you're also willing to ask for help. It's leadership that's about we, not me. You're in this with your people. You're together trying to get great results and also have wonderful relationships. Good on you, Nate. Good on you, Chad. Listen to this and get his book. It's powerful, powerful stuff. Thank you.